Have you ever had someone who's um, had to confront you on something? <laughs> Point something out that's uh, a little awkward? You ever been at a restaurant and had a piece of broccoli dangling from your teeth? And somebody's like trying to point it out, but they, do you hate to interrupt like mid-sentence, like, hey, um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, never mind. Just, um, <laughs> just never mind. You know, confrontation is often very difficult, seems to almost always be very, very awkward, <laughs> but actually uh, very necessary. But it's so awkward and so uncomfortable at times that Many of us just try to avoid it altogether. You know, it's like when you break up with someone, you know, it's, it's not you, it's me. If any of you are single with us today in that relationship stage, somebody says to you, hey, it's not you, it's me. It is definitely you, okay? That's just, that's just a fact, all right? We, we try to soften the conversation there, right? Because we, we want to avoid those awkward conversations. We want to avoid those confrontations, right? We say things like, I just think we're better off as friends. <laughs> we ain't going to be friends after this, right? Do you ever break up with somebody and say, hey, we're just better off as friends and like they're still a good friend of yours today? I didn't think so, no. <laughs> hey, if you need to break up with someone, I actually have a pretty good line for you. One, one that I, I used is like, listen, it's not gonna work out. I really like you, but my parole officer doesn't. You know, it just, it's, just not gonna, it's just not gonna work, right? So we, we, we try to say things to soften. As a parent, you know, like when you have to confront bad behavior in your children at times, isn't it amazing even as a parent how we get fatigued of these kinds of conversations or discipline, especially when your kids are little and you, you, know, you do all kinds of things just to try to you know, get out of it and just kind of get through the day. We say things like, all right, I'm gonna count to 10. And there's like a parent way of counting. And so if you're, if you're, if you're a new parent, you're looking to be a parent in the future, let me tell you how this works, okay? You, you, you slow play it the closer you get to 10. So you start out, you're all in and your kids can get in trouble and you're gonna enforce what you intend to enforce. And you start out strong, okay? One, two, three. By the time you get up there, seven, Eight, and those numbers are dragging out, aren't they? You get to nine. Okay, I'm gonna start over. And I really mean it this time, right? We just don't naturally enjoy confrontation. At least most of us don't. We try to avoid it, hard conversations, awkward conversations. It can be very difficult. You know, maybe you grew up in a home with a lot of conflict or a lot of fighting, maybe you've come through some tough situations in life and you're just like of a mindset, you're gonna avoid conflict, you're gonna avoid confrontation, you're gonna avoid hard conversations no matter what the cost. Maybe you're just naturally a peacemaker. You're just naturally a person that is harmonious and you just really struggle with these kinds of dynamics. But, but, but here's the thing, we're in this teaching series called Words Matter and we're looking at the power of words. And we've seen kind of out of the gate in a, in a general sense that we should use our words to build up. We saw in the very first week of this series that words can be used to inform, injure, or inspire. 
We saw last week in terms of the injury aspect of this, that, that words can cause a lot of harm and therefore we should use fewer of them and, and we should hush up. We talked about the importance of building up. We also talked last week about the importance of hushing up and how an abundance of talking leads to an abundance of trouble. This week, I want us to kind of consider the opposite of that and how there are actually times when we need to speak up. We should speak up. There are times when we, we need to have a voice. There are times when we need to say a hard truth. There are times when we need to have a hard conversation. There are times, by the way, where someone needs to speak truth into us. And so this week, I want us to consider when it's appropriate to speak up. And you know, this is something that Jesus talked about. Let me show you one example of this in Matthew 18. It may surprise you that Jesus actually talked about this very aspect of our words, that there are times we need to speak up. Jesus said this, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he won't listen, take two or three others with you so that the testimony will be established. Jesus saying, hey, there are times when if someone's wronged you or hurt you, you need to have a hard conversation. You're better to address it, to hit it head on, and then to try to move on than to try to let it go, carry the hurt, and then operate in a relationship where there's an open wound. So Jesus taught us there are times we need to speak up. Of course, the Proverbs on which this series is based has a lot to say, not just about words, but actually there's a lot to say about using them at times to speak up. And so let me give you a very simple truth that surfaces in all the Proverbs that we're gonna look at today. The simple principle, here it is. Wise correction has lasting value. As you're gonna see, there are times when we need to speak up or others need to speak up and speak truth to us. And you know what? In those times, wise correction has lasting value. We've seen that we're to use our words to build up. There are times to hush up and abundance of talking leads to an abundance of trouble. But you know, there are times we need to speak up. Why? Because in those moments, wise correction has a lasting value. Let me give you a few Proverbs that, 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 that are encouraging here. Proverbs 27 verses five and six, check this out. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Now, let me just pause there. I, I want you to see something incredibly important. Better an open reprimand than concealed love for the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. You know why you and I so desperately need this truth in our lives? Because if not all of us, almost every single one of us would rather be flattered by the kisses of an enemy than to hear a hard truth from a friend. And that's a dangerous way to live your life. We would rather be flattered and encouraged by someone who intends us long-term harm than we would to be in a hard conversation with someone who's talking to us about something that is wrong or hurtful to ourselves or others or something that we did or said that was hurtful to them. We, we would rather have the kisses of an enemy. And that's why wise correction has lasting value. We need the trustworthy speaking up of our friends and those who truly love us. Let me go to Proverbs 12 and verse 15. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. As we've discussed in this series, we always think our way is the right. Our opinion is the best. 
our actions are justifiable. That's why at times we need someone to, to provide godly, wise counsel. A fool's ways are always right in his own eyes, but, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Proverbs 15, anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches and humility comes before honor. And let me give you one more proverb here. I love this. A word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in silver settings. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. Literally in the original language there, it's a word spoken in its own right way. A word spoken at its own right way to receptive ears, like a, it's, like a, it's like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. What, what, what is this proverb teaching us? That, that when someone speaks a hard but necessary word into your life, or when you have that opportunity to speak a hard but necessary word in the life of someone else, guess what? It's like a gold ring. It's something with lasting value. It's something with worth, something with tremendous value. Do you remember the silly band craze of a few years ago? I don't know if some of you remember this. You have kids or grandkids, you might remember this. There was somebody, I don't know who, who figured out how to color basically thin rubber bands and sell them to kids for $400,000 a piece. And uh, this person's now living on his or her own private island, I'm sure. There was just one of those little fads, you know, like this thing called silly bands. And, and uh, I remember some of my kids, like my girls, would, would take them and they'd wear them on their arms or they you know, make little rings and stuff, silly bands. Okay, if, guy, ladies, if you're single today and a guy came to you to to propose and he got down on one knee and he opened up his hand and he had a silly band ring say no <laughs> right I mean can you imagine you're like what is this baby I got you the highest quality silly band you know diamonds have the four C's you know color cut Clarity and carrot, well, so do silly bands. They have the four S's, size, shape, stretch, and style. And listen, I, I got you the finest silly band ring and here it is. Well, you would laugh. I mean, you would, hopefully it's no, ain't no way, right? And why? Because it has no value. Nobody even talks about silly bands anymore. Again, the person who invented it is now living on some private island, doesn't need to work anymore. There's no value in that. But when you give a gold ring, when you give a diamond ring, you give it to communicate love. Why? With something that has value and lasting worth. It's worth something today. It's gonna be worth something in the future. Listen to what the proverb says. Whenever you and I are open to hearing words of correction, sometimes even words of rebuke, words of instruction, words of guidance, when we speak those words into others' lives that we have you know, relational capital with, listen to me very, very carefully. It's like a gold ring. It's something that has lasting value. It's something that we need, all of us need at times. A word spoken at the right time in its own right way is like a gold apple in a silver setting. And this correction to receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. You see the right words at the right time spoken in the right way to the right person will lead to the right outcome. Will lead to the right outcome. Notice here, it's the right words at the right time in the right way to the right person. 
None of us are the truth police. None of us should leave here today thinking, okay, I've got it. Now I'm going to be the reprover of all men and just walk around where you work or where you go to school or in your subdivision and start pointing out the faults in everyone else around you. No, it's the right words at the right time to the right person in the right way. And it will often lead to the right outcome. Why? Because wise correction has lasting value. Now, in order for this correction, in order for these words to have the impact that we intend, there's just two things I think we need to keep in mind. Two things actually that the Proverbs speak to as well. All right, first of all, the importance of tone. The importance of tone. You know, it's interesting so often when we speak these kinds of words, it's not the content of the words that get us into trouble, it's the tone of our voices. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. It's our disposition. Sometimes we speak in anger or frustration. Sometimes it's really not the substance of what we say that's the problem. Maybe something that's very true and necessary, but it's spoken in a way that is harsh or cruel. You know, the Proverbs speak to this, the importance of tone, that the content of our words and the tone of our voice match each other. Let me, let me show you Proverbs 12 and verse 18. Check this out. There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. There are, there are times we speak rashly and it, it cuts like a sword, but it's the tongue of the wise that brings healing. That's the goal of our speaking up. Proverbs 15 and verse one, a convicting word. It's a gentle answer that turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Proverbs 15 and 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. And then Proverbs 16, check this out. Anyone with a wise heart is called discerning and pleasant speech increases learning. That's the goal, pleasant speech. You see, our words and our tone should be consistent, compassionate, and constructive. Some key diagnostic questions I found helpful over the years. First, I'll ask yourself in a moment where you need to speak, even as a parent, by the way, certainly as a spouse, as a friend, as a coworker, as a teacher. Listen, ask yourself, am I, am I speaking now so as to vent or am I speaking now so as to help and correct? <laughs> There's a difference between venting and correcting. Do I have the other person's best interest in mind? You know, sometimes we speak words of correction or words of rebuke or words of opinion. And really we just need to feel better about getting some, something off our chest. <laughs> We're not actually genuinely concerned about the restoration of a relationship or a situation. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we just venting or are, do we really have the other person's best interest in mind? And then ask ourselves, will, will the confrontation move toward a peaceful outcome and resolution? Is that the goal? That should always be the goal. Notice when we reference Jesus's teaching on this, the goal is reconciliation and restoration. That's the goal, right? And you know what I've discovered over the years as a husband, as a father, especially? It's important at times to cool down before you speak up. There are times when what you need to say is appropriate. The content of your words, not a problem. But you need to cool down before you speak up. In fact, the times I've had to apologize to my children it's most often the case, it's, it's not something that I said, it's the way in which I said it, or you know, just didn't pause and take a moment to 
cool down before I spoke up. You know, that's often the case. And, and so that, that can be true for all of us at times. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. And the Proverbs speak to that, that no, it's, it's a gentle answer that turns away anger. And uh, it's, it's, it's the tongue of the wise that brings healing. So as we think about speaking up and the power of our words in these moments when we need to have an awkward conversation or we need to communicate how we feel or something that's happened that's hurt us or grievous or someone needs to speak to us, it's important to remember that how we speak is important and we're to speak in a way that brings healing and reconciliation. So we need to think about tone. And secondly, we need to think about truth. We need to think about speaking those words that need to be spoken and speaking them in such a way that we are encapsulating the word and the will of God. And there are three areas here I just wanna touch on quickly that I think help shape this speaking up. Because again, it's not incumbent upon all of us to run out of here today and just start speaking up on every single thing that we see and voicing every opinion that we, we have. And as we've already discussed in this series, posting every single thought on social media. No, we need to be wise so as to build up at times, it means we hush up. But in those moments we need to speak up, I, th- I think there are three aspects of our speaking that, that are very, very strategic. First of all, we should speak up when it involves the character inside of us. Say, all right, wh- when do I speak up? When do I say something? Or when, you know, when should I be open to someone saying something to me? Well, first of all, when it involves the character inside of you or the character inside of the person in view. Here's the reality. We all mess up. None of us are perfect. And there are times we need someone to speak words of truth into our lives. Can we just agree on that today? Listen, just getting rid of all the pretense, all of our Sunday best, all of the, you know, I'm better than the average kind of thing. Hey, here, listen, all of us, all of us mess up. All of us have blind spots, all of us. And there will be times in life when we need someone that we love and someone that we trust, someone we would categorize as a friend to speak words of truth into our lives. And this is a biblical principle we see really throughout the entire Bible. Let me give you a few examples here. Galatians 6 and verse one, check this out. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in a wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you will not be tempted as well. There's a speaking up there that needs to happen. James five, my brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Give one more example from the gospels. Luke 17, three, be on your guard. And if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. You know, one concern I have in this culture that we live in, this society that we're building is that we're kind of developing a generation of people who are so sensitive that, 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 that we're operating all in our own little bubbles, our own little circles and everything's so individualistic that we don't welcome anyone else speaking truth into our lives. That's a real danger of this world in which we live right now. Because we all need people who love us enough to say something to us when our lives are out of step with God's will and God's word. 
And the speaking should always be gracious. It should always be with an aim to restore and reconcile, as we've already seen today. It's our tone that matters too. But the words in terms of the truthfulness of where we are and what we need cannot be overstated. There are times we need to speak up when it involves the character inside of us. We all need these people in our lives. Sometimes even, listen, sometimes even a rebuke. Doesn't feel good, it's awkward, but... There are times we need to have that hard conversation or someone needs to have that hard conversation with us. Can I give you just one incredible example of this in, in history? It, it happened way back during a time when King David was ruling Israel. I mean, this incredible hero of our faith, right? King David, but he messed up incredibly badly. I mean, he, he had an adulterous relationship with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. He looked to cover it up by putting her husband on the front lines of battle. So in essence, he was killed. I mean, David didn't directly commit murder, but in essence, he did. I mean, he, he orchestrated the circumstances to where this woman's husband would be killed so that David would take her in because she became pregnant and almost looked like the hero. So David went from the villain to where he, he takes this other man's wife and, 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 commits an adulterous relationship with her. Now she's pregnant and, and David's kind of turning in a situation almost like he looks like the hero. Oh, he took in this widow. And David was a man who loved the Lord. He was a wise king in many respects. But he had this horrible blind spot in his life where he just carries on his business as usual. And there's a guy by the name of Nathan who was a servant of the Lord. And he drew the short straw one day and the Lord came to him and said, hey man, I need you to go talk to David about his sin. <laughs> and let me show you what happened. Such an incredibly wise example of speaking up. Are you ready? Check this out. So the Lord sent Nathan to David and when Nathan arrived, here's what he did. He told David a story. He said, King, there are two men in a certain city and one of them was rich and the other was poor. And the rich man had very large flocks and herds and the poor man had nothing but one little lamb that he had bought. The rich man's got a flock. He could, he could eat for months and months and months. The poor man has one little lamb. And, and he raised this lamb and she grew up with his children and from his meager food, she would eat and from his cup, she would drink and in his arms, she would sleep. All right, this guy was a little bit too much of an animal lover for my taste, but you get the idea here, all right? She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. In other words, a guest came through, okay? And the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come as a guest. Instead, he went to the poor man and took his lamb and he prepared it for the guest. So this rich man who's got more cattle and more sheep than any man could ever want says, you know what? I don't wanna take from one of my herd to prepare a nice meal for this guest. And he goes to a man who's got one little lamb, one, that's it. And he takes it from him against his will. He slaughters it and he, prepares a meal for his guests. Now check this out. David was infuriated with the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die because he has done this thing and shown no pity. And he must pay four lambs for that one lamb that he took. And Nathan replied to David, <clears throat> that's not in the Bible, but 
you are the man. You are that man. You're the king of Israel. You, you have everything. And you took this man's wife that he loved and you had him killed on the front line of battle to cover your sin. You took it. David, you are this man. Can I, can I point something out to us this morning? Do you notice David did not have a principle problem? Nathan doesn't paint this scenario at which David says, oh, that's no big deal. I don't see the problem. David doesn't say, okay, I don't get it. What's the problem? Yeah, the guy who's got everything took the one little lamb, the guy who had nothing. I mean, hey, you know, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. (laughs) I don't see, no, 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 no. David is infuriated, rightfully so. David does have a principle problem. You know what he had? He had a perspective problem. No, no problem with principle. Nathan's not trying to confront someone who doesn't think that there's right and wrong in the world. No, 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 David loved the Lord. David knew right and wrong. David understood that, that in this scenario that Nathan paints for him, the one man who had everything, who took the one little lamb and the guy who had nothing was completely out of line. But you know what he didn't know? He was that guy. Why didn't David see it? I'll tell you why he didn't see it. Because sin has a blinding effect on all of us. Don't miss this. Sin has a blinding effect on every single one of us. We think we're gonna be the exception. We think we're not gonna get caught. We think our consequences are not gonna be as severe. We think we can hide it and carry it. I'm just telling you, sin blinds us to the reality of what it is, so much so that we can be as guilty as David and not know it. We don't have a principle problem. We have a perspective problem. And you know what we need in those moments? Someone to speak of. Graciously, wisely, constructively, so as to bring healing, not embarrassment, healing, reconciliation, forgiveness. We need someone to speak of. And you know why David is referred to as a man after God's own heart, even after some of the sins he committed, because in Nathan's confrontation, David was receptive and he owned it. That's the mark of a true man or woman who loves the Lord. Not that you're perfect, but that when you sin and when someone comes and points it out in a moment where you're blinded, you don't get angry. You don't take revenge, you repent. And David penned one of the most beautiful Psalms that we have in Psalm 51 after his sin with Bathsheba and his confrontation by Nathan. A a Psalm of repentance and humility. David lived with the consequences of his sin here for the rest of his life but he was not angry with the Lord or with Nathan. You see, there are times we need to speak up for the importance of truth when it involves the character inside of us because all of us have blind spots that others can clearly see, but we cannot. That's why we call them blind spots. For those of you who are married, you have a spouse, I guarantee it. 
the Holy Spirit has given your spouse eyes to see your blind spots. <laughs> My wife has some big old glasses. I can tell you right now because she has spotted a lot of blind spots in me over the years. <laughs> I can find hardly any in her. It's really not, I feel like I'm at an unfair uh, situation here. That's what happens when you marry someone who's so awesome and amazing, right? But you know what? All of us have blind spots. It's important that we speak up and that we give others the privilege to, to speak up when it involves the character inside of us. Secondly, make a note of this, check this out. We also should speak up at times when it involves the world around us, the world around us. You know, we have the privilege and the responsibility at times of speaking up on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves. There are many examples throughout human history and throughout the, the word of God where, where, where either God himself or God's people are advocating on behalf of vulnerable groups with no societal standing. People who matter to God, even though they don't matter to their societies. And it is the heart of God and the privilege of the church to speak up in the world around us for those who cannot speak for themselves. Well, let me give you two examples from the Old Testament. I love this. Zechariah 7, verses 9 and 10. The Lord of armies says this, make fair decisions and show faithful love and compassion to one another. Watch this. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the orphan, the resident alien, the immigrant or the poor, and do not plot evil in your hearts against one another. Look at this. God has a heart for those with no advocate. The widow who in this culture would have had no standing the, the orphan who would have had no standing and no provision, right? The, the, the poor, the, the outcast, God's saying, do not abuse, mistreat. No, no, no. He's saying, show faithful love and compassion to each other. Jeremiah 22 and verse three, this is what the Lord says, administer justice and righteousness, rescue the victim of robbery from his oppressor. Do not exploit or brutalize the resident alien, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Notice the Lord has a heart for the widow, the orphan, the fatherless, the one who cannot speak for himself or herself. Our God is a father to the fatherless and an advocate of those who do not have an advocate. Man, that's the, that's, that's the amazing grace of our God. And you know what? There are times when we look at the world around us when graciously but boldly we speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Can I give you another category that I believe the scriptures speak to, that we need to speak to today. We need to speak up on behalf of the unborn. We need to speak up on behalf of those children in the womb who cannot speak for themselves, but who are clearly, fearfully and wonderfully made and fellow image bearers. Psalm 22 and verse 10 says, I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Jeremiah 1, 5, I chose you before I formed you even in the womb and I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Listen, we have the privilege at times of speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves, of being a family of faith that cares for our community and that we're providing for those who are in need. We're, we're, we're encouraging 
those who are discouraged. We are providing avenues of ministry for orphans and widows, which we do. And, and we are a people who are speaking up for life. Yes, even and especially life in the womb. Let me tell you something. In the years to come, we will continue to be a place that boldly but graciously speaks up for the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that salvation comes through no one else except for Jesus Christ. We will speak up for marriage, the sanctity of marriage as the union between one man and one woman for life. We will continue to speak about the beauty of God's design expressed in our gender. The fact that being a man or being a woman matters much, both being created in the image of God, but both uniquely designed in our similarities and our differences to express the glory of God and who you are at birth in terms of your gender matters. And therefore, we glorify God in how we live. Yes. You see, there are times, not just for the character inside of us, but for the world around us, that we are privileged to speak up, not to win an argument, but to win a soul. And to help formulate a culture that values life, that values the word of God and that experiences the blessing of carrying out the will of God. It is my deepest conviction, not as a pastor, just as a Christ follower, as a pastor too, <laughs> but first and foremost, just as a Christ follower, it is my deepest conviction that there is nothing better for every single one of us than God's will. It's my deepest conviction that there is nothing better for West Central Florida than God's will. It's my deepest conviction there's nothing better for our state, our nation, and our world than experiencing the will of God through gender, marriage, life. Listen, God has given us a plan and a purpose for all things, and we will never be more fulfilled than when we are living according to God's design. And when we're out of step with that design, guess what? There are times we need someone to speak up <laughs> for the character inside of us, for the world around us. And then finally, let me give you this last takeaway here for the hope that is within us. The greatest privilege that we have and the greatest responsibility that we have is to speak up for the hope within us. You know, we have a hope that endures just like that value of a gold ring. Listen, we have a hope that endures, a hope that literally is not just life-changing, but eternity-shaping. And, and God has given us the privilege of speaking up, not just for the character inside of us, the world around us, but also the hope within us. Can I show you what Peter said, 1 Peter 3, I love this. He says, well, who then will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? In other words, listen to what Peter is saying. You may suffer for your faith. You may suffer for your worldview. Not everyone will understand, but listen, they can't harm you. Everything of eternal value in your life is secured in Christ. What's the worst thing they can do? Take your life and usher you to Jesus' presence? I mean, none of us are in a hurry for that. We'd like to see the Bucks win this playoff game before the Lord returns and takes us, okay, okay. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, literally we think that's the worst thing that could happen. And we would mourn and grieve if that happened to someone that we love. But, but, but you know what you want to do Apostle Paul said? He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What's the worst thing you can do? Usher me into the presence of Jesus? So look at what Peter says here. Who then can harm you if you're devoted to what is good? No one. 
But check this out. But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ as holy. Watch this, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. But when you speak up, speak the truth. Speak with the right tone. As Peter says, do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you're accused, those who disparage for your good conduct in Christ, we put to shame for it's better to suffer for doing good than it is evil. Now we use our words to build up. Times we need to use less of them. Need to hush up. Abundance of talking leads to an abundance of trouble. But you know, there are times we need to speak up with the right tone, but with the truth. When it involves the character inside of us or someone that we love, when it involves the world around us and the application of God's will and when it involves the hope that's within us. And so, hey, I, wanted, I just wanna encourage you this week to be, to be a, a faithful follower of Jesus and, and even just sharing your faith. You say, you know, I'm not theologically trained. I don't have a degree and I, a lot of questions myself, that's okay. You, you, you know what you see routinely throughout history and throughout the word of God in the examples of history there? You know what you find routinely? Average and ordinary men and women just sharing what God has done for them. You know what I think is the most powerful testimony in the entire Bible? It doesn't come from anyone who is educated or anyone who had some kind of seminary degree. You know what the most powerful testimony is in the whole Bible, in my view, just an opinion, but I mean, at least one of, right? A guy who lived his whole life in poverty. Say, why did he live in poverty? Because he was born blind and and everyone thought that it was God's, God's doing, that somehow this guy was judged for the sins of his parents, which is just foolish. And so they put this guy out on the street and he just lived his whole life begging for food day to day. And one day a man named Jesus of Nazareth came by and he healed this man miraculously. Everybody knew about him because everybody passed him in the street. And Jesus heals this guy. And, And this group that hated Jesus, like they're trying to undermine what he did. And so they go to this guy's parents. Hey, tell me, was he really born blind? They're saying, of course he was. Why do you think we put him out of our house? We've had nothing to do with him his whole life. I mean, I, that's our son. That's him. So that didn't go anywhere. So then they went to the, the guy himself and they said, hey, tell us what really happened. I don't know they thought he was like some shyster or something. You know what I mean? They're try, they, they, they can't believe that Jesus is who he said he is. And so they go to this guy and they just pressure him, pressure him. And you know what he did? He gave one of the greatest testimonies in the history of the world. You know what he said? I don't know about all these prophecies of the Old Testament and all their application, all, the, all, all this stuff you're fighting Jesus over and his teaching. I don't know about all, you know what I know? I was blind and now I see. <laughs> That's what I know. And when I opened my eyes, this is the guy that healed me. I was blind and now I see. And you know what? At 15 years old, I had this stirring in my spirit. I was thinking about what I was gonna do with my life and who I was gonna be. And you know, none of it made any sense. And I'd, I'd heard over the years about forgiveness, heard about the need for God, heard about the work of Jesus. And at 15 years old, God brought me to a place 
where he showed me both the, the horror of my sin, but the majesty of his forgiveness. And at 15 years old, you know what my testimony to you is here today? I was blind, but now I see. And I'm just telling you right now, you just share your story with your coworker, your friends, your classmates, family maybe even, just share your story. God will use it. <laughs> we have the unique privilege of speaking up for this hope within us. God will use it. Inviting someone to come to church with you, inviting someone to come to your small group, inviting someone to come to event or activity, having somebody over to your home for dinner. You know, we used to do that sort of thing. <laughs> Probably have to ask them to wear a mask now, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's just speaking up. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have all the answers to every single question, but you can be an influencer. Speaking up for the character inside of you or others, for the world around you, the hope that is within you, and in your speaking, allowing God to work and to move as he always does when his word is proclaimed. Because you know what? It is his word that does the work. And that's our hope.